This week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast is brought to you by the patrons of the Rural Woman Podcast. This amazing group of individuals contribute financially to the Rural Woman Podcast to ensure the stories of women in agriculture hit your earbuds each and every week. Want to join them in supporting the stories of women in agriculture while getting access to extended episodes, patron-only episodes, and other great perks? Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more about how you can become a patron through Patreon. Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. This week, you'll meet Rhonda Kesslering. Rhonda grew up on a multi-generational grain farm in south-central Saskatchewan. The youngest of three kids, she was raised by entrepreneurial parents who together grew registered seed and built a seed cleaning plant. The loss of Rhonda's father in 2010 from his battle with kidney cancer brought the family closer together and shifted their roles within the operation. Rhonda had went to school to become a vet tech and worked in the industry for four years before experiencing burnout. She made the decision to leave her job and head back to the family farm to embark on her career path as a farmer. Rhonda now works alongside her brother, growing crops, running heavy equipment, and operating the seed cleaning plant during the winter months. Although Rhonda grew up on the farm, she never thought this would be what she would end up doing as her career. She shares with us today how she overcame her limiting beliefs to become the farmer she is today. I am very excited for you guys to meet Rhonda. She is one inspirational lady. Before we get to her interview, I want to share with you this week's listener review. This week's review comes from Anelia from Ontario via Apple Podcasts. I apologize if I butchered your name. (laughs) This five-star rating and review is titled, Thank You for Creating This Community. The episode highlighting succession and transition planning was exactly what I needed to hear. I was so excited to hear a discussion covering some of the process as my fiance and I moved on to his family home farm last summer. The transition has been hard, but super rewarding. Your podcast is helping me learn that every single farm is so different and that everyone has unique struggles within their farm, just like we do. Thank you so much for doing what you do and keep on doing it. Well, thank you so much for your kind rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. And if you, my friends, are listening on an Apple device, would you please leave a rating and review over on Apple? This helps the algorithm gods send the Rural Woman podcast to people just like you and expand our community. Another great way that you can support the show is by taking a screenshot on your listening device and sharing on your social media. Be sure to tag me at Wild Rose Farmer and you can tag our new Instagram account at the Rural Woman podcast and we would love to share your stories in our stories. Now, if you're interested in listening to the episodes mentioned in this week's rating and review, they are referring to episode number 67 and 68 of the Rural Woman podcast, Transition Planning with Agriculture Transitional Specialist Anessa Good. It is a part one and part two series. 
there is definitely a lot of great information that Anessa shares with us and a great episode to go back to and re-listen to if you've already done so. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Rhonda. Hi, Rhonda. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast today. I am excited to get to know you a bit better and share your story with my audience. Awesome. I'm excited to be here. For my listeners who are unfamiliar with you, Rhonda, give us your background. Who are you? Where are you from? And how the heck did you get your start in agriculture? So my name is Rhonda Kelly. I'm from a small town in southern Saskatchewan. I grew up on a grain farm. My parents were grain farmers, but they also were entrepreneurs. They had different businesses. My dad was a pilot and he also repaired aircrafts. My mom loves gardening, loves cooking, and she also had kind of a business of her own where she would make mustard and artisan like flavored vinegars and herb mixes. And we used to go all over the countryside to trade shows and stuff like that. So I've always been involved on the farm, in the garden. And yeah, that's kind of where I grew up. And then I went to school to be a vet tech. And I worked as a tech for about four years. I worked in a mixed animal practice. And then I was experiencing burnout, just really fatigued and overwhelmed. Vet tech is a very emotionally draining career. And it kind of just worked out great because my brother was needing some extra help on the farm. He had taken over and needing some extra help and I was needing a job. So I ended up working on the farm with him. That is excellent. So I'm so excited to break each one of these little bits down. So Tell us about your life growing up on this farm. What generation are you on this farm? And what were some memories that are so cherished in your mind and that you love? And maybe share with us some memories that you didn't like growing up as a farm kid. For sure. We are fourth generation farmers. And some memories that I loved growing up. So my mom and dad built a house in the same yard as my grandma. So my grandma was always in the yard, so I could always go over and be with her and have that kind of other parent figure, whatever, to look after me and play with me. And that was always really fun. I absolutely loved being in the garden with my mom. I'm the youngest of three kids. So my brother and sister would say that I'm spoiled, but I would just say that I was a little kid. <laughs> so while they were all kind of like pulling weeds in the garden, I was having ladybug races on my mom's back and like little things like that. So yeah, those are some really good memories from the farm. And then of course, just like being in the field, having meals in the field, that's always really near and dear to my heart as well. Some not so fun memories, (laughs) not so nice. My parents grew registered seeds. So we had these like plots of of registered seed and we would have to go out and pull weeds so that there was absolutely no weeds in these plots. And it was, so hot and I was little and I did not like being out there and a lot of the time I ended up just sitting in the truck or doing something and again my brother and sister would say that I was spoiled but keep in mind that I was like probably like four or five kind of thing so take from that what you will. (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny that you share that not so great memory because 
when I hear that, I'm like, this is my current life. <laughs> I have yeah. to go do that job now. It's just like, I don't have any children to put that on. So maybe that's a bonus or a benefit to having kids is you can get them to go pick the rocks and weeds for you. <laughs> yeah. Free labor, right? right? Exactly. Exactly. They got to earn their supper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have a whole workforce behind you. Yeah, Absolutely. So tell us more about the transition of your farm from, let's say, your dad's generation to the generation of you and your brother today. For sure. So my dad, well, my mom and my dad, they both farmed together. Like they were always like both in the field. They both ran equipment and stuff like that. And then my dad had cancer and he was really sick and he rented out the land for quite a few years while he was going through chemo treatments and stuff like that and surgeries. And he would still like go help in the field with what he could and that type of thing. But the renter was mostly responsible for feeding, harvest, that kind of thing. And then uh, when my dad passed away, my brother actually moved home and he, well, he had moved home like a year maybe before my dad passed away. And then, yeah, once my dad was gone, my brother kind of made the transition to like the running the farm and running our seed cleaning plants and everything like that. So it was kind of a big leap from him or big leap for him going from being a mechanic full-time to being a farmer full-time. So yeah, that's kind of how it transitioned. Right. So share with us, kind of that transition period and the years following how your family managed going from losing your father, which is sad and horrible, to, you know, having kids come home to take over the family operation. I think it was like a, I think it was pretty hard for my brother because, well, I mean, it was hard for all of us, right? We were grieving our dad and everything like that. But then like my dad would have passed away in December. And then, so it was like my brother started farming like that spring. So not only is he dealing with grief and like sadness and going through all of those emotions, but then also like my brother knew what he was doing on the farm he had helped with equipment like that, but like it had never been up to him, you know, like it was never his call, what was going to be seated there, or like how he was going to set the seater or like anything like that. So it was a huge learning curve uh, for him that way. And then two, it was like that we clean seed right in our seed cleaning plant. So we do that during the winter. And so it was kind of like my dad passed away and then the neighbors and clients from the seed cleaning plant were kind of like, like, no prayer, but, like, do I need to find a different seed cleaner for this year? Or, like, what's your guys' plan? So then it was a bit of a scramble and, like, a lot of pressure and a lot of figuring out, like, how to do things that he knew how to do, but it was never his responsibility to be in charge of that, you know? Right. So definitely a lot of growing pains there. And then it has been, I, I mean, I can't really for my brother exactly but him and my mom and my sister-in-law they have like made um, a partnership through the farm and everything like that so yeah I think they kind of have each other team on and stuff so it's nice in that way they're not alone in it but it was definitely a hard transition for sure well and I think you know I've heard this many times with people who have lost a significant person on their farm and having to have that time to grieve, but also 
knowing that the work still needs to be done and the fields need to be planted in the spring and like for you guys seed still needed to be cleaned and all of those things so I definitely mm -hmm. think you and all of the other families that have had to deal with those transitions throughout their their farm life yeah for sure so let's move on to your vet tech career you had mentioned the keyword here is burnout. And uh, like we were chatting about before we hit record, that is something that I hear quite often from other people in animal veterinary services, whether they are the veterinarian or vet tech or any like that. So take us on the journey and tell us about your career as a vet tech and from the beginning to end. Soup to nuts. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How Saskatchewan of you to say that? <laughs> So I have always loved animals. Like growing up, I begged and pleaded my family for like dogs, chickens, whatever I could and nothing. They didn't want anything. So I had cats. I had of cats. And then when I was about 10, we got a dog. But so I've always loved, loved, loved animals. And I had considered going to university for vet med. And I decided to try the tech program first because actually some of the credits can transfer over towards an undergrad degree and then towards a vet med. I started out with vet tech and I worked as a tech for about four years. I worked in two different clinics. They were both mixed animal practice. So one of them was more large animal and one was more on the small animal side. And I learned a ton, but at the same time, veterinary medicine is one of those careers that has like a really high burnout rate. It has a lot of people that suffer from health issues. And I was definitely experiencing that towards the end of my career as a tech. I, yeah, I loved the work. I loved getting animals in, getting my hands on them, learning about behavior. I loved doing surgery, monitoring them during anesthetic. I loved all of that. I loved the sciencey, nerdy, like lab work type things. I loved being out on farm doing semen testing and stuff like that. So it was never really the work. It was more the, honestly, you're so underpaid as a tech and the hours that you're expected to work and of the things that you see are just so traumatic. Like when an animal comes in that's been hit by a car, you know, it's it it takes an emotional toll on a person. And eventually I just, I was feeling really depressed, anxious. I was experiencing panic attacks, which I had never had before in my life. And I just decided that it was no longer for me. So I... uh I transitioned to working back on the farm. Right. Well, and thank you for sharing that with us because I think there, like I mentioned before, there's some whispers about the burnout and all of the things. And then, you know, to hear somebody, a vet tech who had experiences like you and being so open and vulnerable to share those with us, I just want to say thank you because I know there's people out there that, really appreciate hearing that. Oh, absolutely. Like, I think one of the uh, the things that my teachers told us was that for a vet tech to be in the career longer than like seven years was almost like unheard of. So it's, it's a lot more common than you think. Yeah, absolutely. So 
Looking back, do you have any advice or words of wisdom that you want to share to either past or current or future people who want to be a vet tech? Yeah, absolutely. I think, first of all, I think it's really important to find a clinic that aligns with your values because I would go back to working as a tech if I was in the right clinic. And so what I mean by that is there are clinics out there that really utilize your skills as a tech. You learn so much in like the two years as a vet tech. That course is very intense. You learn a lot of stuff. And so for me, being in a clinic where my skills weren't being completely utilized, it just didn't feel in alignment with my values. You know, I was like, I know so much more than this. I can do so much more than this. I can be so much more of an asset to you guys. Why aren't you using it in that way? And then, so I think it's really important to find a clinic that, like I say, like aligns with your goals and your values in life. And then also finding a clinic that appreciates you. To me, I think one of my love languages is uh, words of affirmation, I think it is. So I really appreciate when people say like, like, thank you so much for coming in or like, thank you for X, Y, Z, you know? And so finding somewhere that really speaks to you in that way, I think is super important too for the longevity of your of your career. Absolutely. My one of my love languages is also words of affirmation in case anybody would like to send me a compliment. Uh, <laughs> 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 and it's so true like working somewhere where you know you're appreciated and your skills are being utilized and all of the things I think is great advice for anybody, not just vet techs, right? Like knowing that what you're doing is making a difference and you're being able to utilize the skills that you know you have. So those are good words of wisdom and advice to share. So thanks, Rhonda. Absolutely. Say if you are selling a product or a service off of your farm, you need to take this course. (laughs) This is probably the best investment that they can make in themselves and their business. For, For how much information is packed in, and the amount of time and the fact that you have access to it, you can go back to it. And you wanted to learn this from someone, but I wanted to learn it from the right person. And Kelsey understands the nuances of farming and what that kind of business is. Hi guys, I'm Kelsey Jorson Olson. I am the farmer and marketer behind the Cultivating Capital course. My husband and I run Greenwell Homestead, an 80 acre farm in Northwest Wisconsin, where we grow various produce, raise pastured hens and goats, and create shippable value added products. We've done farmer's markets as well as operate a roadside farm stand and have made our farm profitable through online marketing. I developed this course three years ago to help other farmers and homesteaders and people who run home businesses learn how to utilize online marketing to grow their farm's customer base. The Cultivating Capital course literally saved me hundreds of hours. Without the course, our business would not have a functioning website. Having someone who's already figured that out in this specific industry and other industries and can help guide you through step by step It's like invaluable. When you pre-order the course before December 10th, you get $100 off the full price. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. Let's make 2022 your farm's most profitable year yet. All right, let's transition back to farm life. So you're leaving your job as a vet tech and 
it so happens that your brother is looking for some help on the farm. Tell us how you came to the decision that you were going to return back to the family farm. Um, Well, honestly, I had quit my vet tech job and I really had nothing else lined up. I had <laughs> I had quit my job and I was going on a yoga teacher training in Mexico for three weeks and I was going to figure it out when I came home. And my my gracious brother was doing some upgrades to cleaning plants. And so he was in the midst of that, but also looking because he had kind of expanded our farm. So he was kind of looking for some help because it's really hard to do as a one-man band for trying to drive truck and be in the field and do all the things. So it just worked out that when I came back from my yoga teacher training, he was like, you know what? I, I really just need help. So if you are looking for a job, you can come work here. And it worked out really well. That's great. So pulling from your past experiences on the farm growing up to where he needed the help. Did you have that experience already or were these new things that you were learning on the farm? Oh God, no. I like, I grew up on the farm. Like I would go out in the tractor, but I never ran the tractor. Like I ran the lawnmower, (laughs) you know, I made the meals. I like, I ran people around from like field to field. I never actually ran the equipment. So it was a huge leap for me. And like, as a vet tech, I didn't learn how to operate heavy equipment by any means. So going from that, like being a vet tech, and then transitioning to like, you're going to operate heavy equipment. I was terrified because I was like, I don't, I don't know how to do any of this. And it took a lot of coaxing from my brother. (laughs) And honestly, just out of necessity that for me to learn how to do these things, right? Like, I just had to because there was no one else there. Right. Well, and I like what you said about the roles and duties that you had on your farm growing up, though they are important, like the meals and driving people around and all those things. You need those people on the farm to do those things because the people running the equipment couldn't do doing if they didn't have the back end of other people doing these important jobs. But transitioning to actually, you know, driving this piece of equipment or running a drill or a cedar or any of these things, like you said, it is so intimidating. Incredibly. Like there are these huge, gigantic pieces of machinery that are worth like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And you're like, okay, don't mess up. (laughs) Right. Right. And well, I don't know about you. For me, it was, I, I came out of you know, the city. And when I was shown how to drive like the ride on lawnmower, <laughs> like that was a big deal for me. And mowing our yard and took me like eight hours to do because I was so slow and I was so scared I was going to wreck something or run into something or whatever it is. And like now yeah. that's a piece of cake. I can do all of it in about four hours now. Like you just yeah, mow and exactly. go, right? right. <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, being responsible for these pieces of equipment that cost more than some people's houses, like it, how did you get over the fear and intimidation for that? Well, my brother is a really great teacher. So that's one thing. He would come and sit with me in the buddy seat until 
I felt comfortable or until he had to drive truck somewhere. <laughs> so yeah, he, he was a really great teacher and he was patient with me and everything like that. But honestly, I, it's one of those things where it's just, you have to do it. Like you just like, there's no other way through. You just have to do it, you know? And there was a lot of moments where I was like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. I don't know, uh, like what I'm doing, but I'm just going to try. And so, yeah, just having that mindset of, I'm just going to try, I'm just going to take a time, one breath at a time and always having my brother there on the other end of the phone or walkie talkie or whatever was also really, really helpful. (laughs) Right. Well, and I think that it helps to have that mindset. I'm just going to try it and see how it goes. And I think, I know, when I think of my husband, like, I think he appreciates that mindset versus the, like, I can't do this to like, okay, I'll try it. And you know, if it doesn't work out, and I'm not great at it, okay, no, I can't do this from now on, we have to find somebody with better skills to do it. But you know, having the can do mindset, or at least I'll give it a try mindset is much better than the hell no, I'm not doing that. Well, me too. Like once I would try, it was like, oh, okay, like, I can actually handle this. It's not that bad, you know? Well, and I think I can speak for a lot of women out there that are probably listening to this, that they themselves are scared to just go out in the field and try. And, you know, Rhonda and I are to you that we're we're here and alive to tell you the story that, you know, if we can do it, you probably can do it too. (laughs) Absolutely. And there might be some tears (laughs) along the way. But it will be okay. (laughs) Yes, there may be some cuss words and also some cold shoulders uh, between you and your farming partner. (laughs) But you all make it through. Yeah, there are always those days. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So through the typical growing season then for you guys out in Saskatchewan, what are you growing and what are you helping out and what are your duties on the farm? So we grow durum, canola, flax. Uh, we've dabbled in chickpeas before, lentils, from about October, November until about March, April. We're in the seed cleaning plants, cleaning seed. Um, we have a few neighbors and other clients that we clean for. And then kind of in those transition times, so like March, April, we are working on machinery, getting ready to be in the field, things like that. And then Hopefully by the end of April, beginning of May, we're in the field feeding. And then, yeah, hopefully we're done (laughs) by the end of May. There's been the odd time. I guess it goes into June, but that's not usually the norm. And then all summer, I so during that time, I am running the cedar and my brother runs the semi-truck because I don't have my 1A license. So I'm kind of the one that's in the field offering the equipment. And my brother has his 1A, so he drives truck. And then I am kind of unemployed in the summer. (laughs) Sometimes I find my own summer job or whatever. And we pick back up in the fall when things are ready to be harvested. And we do what we can there. You know, we had that year, not last year, but the year before, where it was really long, awful harvest where it was raining and I think we harvested everything it was actually like maybe I don't know 10 or 14 days that we're actually harvesting but it was over the span of September October and then 
like we finished at the end of so and then yeah we do it all over again we're in the seed cleaning plants after that cleaning the seed that's great well so I can just assume from what you're saying about over the years, you guys are dryland farmers, no irrigation. No, we don't have irrigation. Right. <laughs> when I hear people say that, you know, they just seed and hope to God it rains throughout the summer, just enough or not too much. I uh, sometimes I'm envious of them because uh, we deal with irrigation and pivots and all of the joys that come along with them all summer. So. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's nice to have them sometimes, but when they're stuck in 3 a.m. and you have to go pull it out, it's not always the greatest. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) So we talked about, you know, you overcoming your limiting beliefs of how like driving these heavy pieces of equipment to run, you know, all of these tools to make your farm what it is today. What are some things that you want to take some time right now to celebrate in your journey of becoming a farmer? I'm just really proud of myself for overcoming so many limiting beliefs because it's like you go into it thinking like I'm just this I'm I'm quite short also so I'm like I'm just this little woman like how am I going to run this huge piece of equipment you know and being able to prove to yourself that you can do those things is so empowering like I can't even really describe what it is that you go through but it's just you feel these emotions and then it's like okay if I can do that like what else have I been telling myself that I can't do that I absolutely could do no problem, you know? And so it really makes you look at your life in other areas and like, I can do so much more, or I have so much more to give, or I have a voice that needs to be heard. Even coming on this podcast, I was like, who's going to want to listen to me who like cares about my story? But it's like, no, you have a voice and you need to use it because your voice is important and what you have to say is important. And yeah, it's a really, it's been a really empowering journey for me. Rhonda, I missed you over. That is perfect. <laughs> and that's why I do what I do on this podcast is to amplify and share and celebrate the stories of women in agriculture, because I think there's so many times that we compare ourselves to others, and what other people are doing in our industry. And I don't know how to do that, or she does this better than me, or I, I can't even keep my house clean. How am I supposed to do this? All of these things that I think women beat themselves up for. And I think or at least I hope by you sharing your story and by me sharing the stories of others and sharing my own story that we can offer some encouragement to people who have some of the similar limiting beliefs that we both had at some point and, you know, help them to power through those and to feel the empowerment that uh, you and I both have felt. Absolutely. Like, I hope someone listening is like, wow, I really didn't think that on the feeder. But now I'm thinking like, oh, maybe I could next time my husband asks or something like that, you know? Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, I have not yet ran our cedar, but that is on my to-do list for this spring. So fingers crossed for me, everyone, that (laughs) 
I live to tell the story of seeding the field. Oh, you'll do awesome. Right? Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I ran the broadcast seeder, but that's like really easy. You just turn the fan on and you drive back and forth. He just spreads everywhere instead of like drilling it down into, into the ground. Right. So, you know. I've done that one, but I haven't. The other one seems much more intimidating to me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's a learning curve, but you can learn anything. Absolutely. We can do anything. (laughs) Exactly. So Rhonda, what are your future plans when it comes to the farm? Well, it's a bit right now. Like I just had a baby in June. So trying to figure out child care for coming back to working on the farm is kind of where I'm stuck right now. I do want to come back, not that I don't love being home with my baby, but I thought of purpose in having a job outside of being a mom and looking after the household and everyone in the household. So yeah, my obstacle right now is just finding some child care to be able to come back and work the hours that it that you need to work in order to be on the farm, right? Because it's not just a nine to five job. So yeah, I guess that's basically my future with the farm. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think that, you know, topic was pretty prevalent in the year 2020 with lockdowns and all of the things that happened. I feel like there was a lot of pressure for women in particularly parents in general, but I feel like it fell a lot onto the shoulders of women of childcare and whether that was in a rural or urban setting. And like you said, it's really difficult to be thinking about how are you going to have sweet little Cohen with you like 24 seven on a tractor when he needs to have a schedule or any of that kind of stuff. So I really you know, I really respect mothers in general, but mothers on a farm and having to raise and take care of their children on top of growing food to feed the world, like bravo to you all. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That's definitely a struggle. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So Rhonda, my last question for you today is what is the most rewarding part about being a farmer for you? Uh, The most rewarding part? I... I don't know if it's exactly the most rewarding part, but the part that I love the most is the community aspect of it. Like when a neighboring farmer is struggling to get their crop in or something like that, and like we're done, we'll head over and we'll help them out or vice versa. Or if someone passes away and their crop is still out, it's so nice to see the neighbors go and just like combine it for them or whatever, whatever it might be. So the good aspect of it and the people from the land is just, it fills my heart so much to see that and to, and to be a part of that. For sure. The community is one of the best parts. I also. Yeah. Rhonda, yes. it has been so great getting to chat with you today. For the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? You can find me on Instagram. My handle is at underscore Kesslering. Perfect. And I will link that in the show notes so people can find you, connect with you, and give you some words of affirmation. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you again so much for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot, Caitlin. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producer, Sarah Reedner of Happiness by the Acre, and to my editor, Max Hofer. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can connect with me on social media using the handle at wildrosefarmer on all platforms. If you love the show, make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts, plus share it with a friend. We'll see you next time. Caitlin Dubin, the host of the Rural Woman podcast, and Bev Ross, host of the Joy Farmer podcast, have teamed up to create Positively Farming Media. Positively Farming Media is a podcast hub that connects and cultivates growth-oriented farm and food storytellers. We host a mastermind mentoring group that fosters connection and collaboration between podcasters so you no longer have to produce your show within a silo. Each month in our member-only online community, new learning modules are released that are designed to increase your show's quality, listenership, and advertising opportunities. When you join today, you'll have access to the current month's modules and our previously released modules so you can start growing your show right away. Learn more and start building connections to fellow podcasters in the food and agriculture space at PositivelyFarmingMedia.com.